Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, Float, Odyssey, Telegram, Twitch, and the Prepper Broadcast Network. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim, and this is the Workshop Podcast. Now, when you hear this, I will be somewhere between home and home. I'm making a something like a 60, 65-hour round-trip drive to Saluda, North Carolina, then to Camden, Tennessee, and then straight north after that. I'm going to be having a lot of fun. I'm away, so these are pre-recorded episodes. I hope you enjoy them. I like to do this so you have some content ahead of time, but I didn't. I, I don't feel like I've got a, a broad enough back catalog yet to start doing rewinds. So the compromise is I do like 20-minute episodes, and I pre-record a metric shit ton of them. Well, I don't know, four this time <laughs> for you guys. So you have them. So I hope you enjoy this. I'm sure I will have some live streams from the road while I'm out there, but let's dive into it. So tonight we're going to talk about canning. And in particular, water bath canning. Now, first off, I'll chat a bit about how to do it. But I'm just going to tell stories about canning. And there's so much out there on YouTube if you want to learn how to can. There's books, whatever you want, it's out there. But for me, I just enjoy canning. And we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. Last time when I was away, when we went to Florida... Two weeks and I was down to living free in Tennessee. I did a whole series on getting started prepping. Well, this could be one of those, except it's going to be more of a story time. So if you've never canned before, if you've never done any food preservation, well, let's slide back a little bit. Everybody's done some form of food preservation because if you have a deep freeze or if you live in a little apartment in New York City or LA or wherever it is, I'll bet that you have at least a little freezer in your fridge. And if you put food in there, you're preserving food. Imagine that. I know, it's crazy. Put food in a Tupperware container, you're preserving food. Put something in a Ziploc bag, you're trying to extend its life. That's what preserving food is. Extend its useful life so that you can use it when you want, not when you have to. There's all kinds of it. I've tried a ton of different things over the years, but I always enjoyed canning. This started back before I was even married. I'm not sure. I don't even know how I got bit by the bug. Part of it maybe was homebrewing. And again, pretty much a lot of my motivation when I got into this early was abject poverty. But even way back then, I thought about doing a, well, it wouldn't have been a YouTube channel at the time. It would have been a blog. I thought about calling it The Apartment Brewer because I had this long kind of pantry closet in my kitchen it's probably about 10 feet long and about three feet wide. And I would put my homebrew in there and I would, I was learning. I had no money for beer. So I thought, hey, you know what's better? Instead of spending $20 on a case of beer, I can spend $500 on homebrewing equipment and have a case of beer I don't want to drink. <laughs> but it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was science. It was an experiment. I learned a lot. But at the same time, that summer was the first summer I was living on my own. I had the I had a second floor apartment in a three floor home. It was like a 140 year old greenhouse, and it was falling down. It was in rough shape. I could it could barely heat it. 
had an old lady and her grandkids living below me. That one time I fell asleep while I was filling my dishes, uh, filling my sink to wash my dishes, and I flooded her pantry. And above me was a very quiet guy who every Saturday night would have a huge crowd over to play D&D. It was fun. Yeah, it was a, an interesting time. I lived there for about two years. So in that time, of course, I had a lot of free time because I wasn't even dating my wife at the time, <laughs> but I was working at the hardware store and strawberry season was coming up. So I said to my grandmother, I said, I want to go. You pick strawberries. So I went out and I said, will you teach me how to make jam? She said, sure, you got to get the jars. So I went out. I used to love to you pick. They were like a dollar a quart when you, you picked them yourself, although they weighed them by the pound, but whatever it was, what it was. A good buddy of mine, Danny, used to have a pretty good side hustle. So he would take a week's vacation every summer, or maybe it was two weeks. And he would go up in the morning, he'd go up the valley, about an hour away, and he would pick his ass off, get as many boxes of berries as he could, drive back to town, and then he would just sit there and he would sell them. And that was his extra walking around money for the year. He did pretty good with it. So I went, I picked a bunch of strawberries, and I said to mom, I said, mom, I need mason jars. I think I know where they are. She said, I know where they are. They've been there for 30 years. Are you sure you want them? So in my basement, my mom and dad's basement, it's still this way. The house was built in three pieces. One piece in the 30s, one piece in the 70s, and one piece in the 90s, roughly. I could be a little off on my time frame there, but I'm pretty close. So the piece from the 30s was the original house. And to get into that basement is only about a three and a half, four foot high so I can't stand in there. I haven't been able to stand there since I was like three. But anyway, there's a hole about a three, about a four foot by four foot that was beat through with a sledgehammer in the cement wall. You climb through and it's a muddy, dirty, nasty place. And somehow there was a workbench in there. I don't know who would have, I mean, you would have had to have been um, a tiny person to work in there. But years ago, people were shorter. So down underneath that workbench was four or five cases of some of the oldest mason jars I'd ever seen. They were mason jars, but they were full of cobwebs, and they smelt like that old, stale, dirty, nasty, rotten dirt. And I hauled them all out, and I hauled them up, and I'm pretty sure Mom told me not to wash them at her place. <laughs> so I took them down to my apartment, and we washed them up. And we had a failure rate of about 1 in 12, so about 1 per case smashed when we heated it up. But you know what I learned? I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned how to make jam. I learned how to process strawberries, which is probably the simplest. Eat. So if you're going to start canning either strawberries or cucumbers, not cucumbers, pickles. And of course, I hate pickles. So, and I canned them because I wanted to learn how I did. I, I didn't mind the mustard pickles I made. I made mustard pickles. I made sweet mix. I didn't really care for dill, so I never did those. But those were my two. I did mustard pickles, sweet mix pickles. And I did a bunch of strawberry jam that first year. And I learned a lot. And we boiled some and a few of them split because they were old or cracked or I didn't realize what. But it was a lot of fun. I learned how to use Serto or pectin, whatever it was. I learned how to screw up a um, batch of jam. And I learned how to fix it. Back before, I mean, this was what, 2004? So, you know, the internet was out there, of course, at that time. But... Uh, I had to call, I think Kraft owns them. I had to call them because I said, listen, I screwed up a batch of my strawberry jelly, my strawberry jam. How do I fix it? And they said, well, just add another package of pectin to it or Serto and you'll be all right. And it worked. Reheated it, reprocessed it, rebottled it, recanned it, whatever you want to call it. And I had serviceable strawberry jam. So I was pretty proud of myself. 
I thought I could survive the zombie apocalypse because I had about 30 jars of pickles and a couple dozen jars of strawberry jam. I was set. I knew how to make homebrew. I was a prepper. Didn't know what a prepper was at the time, but I liked to do it. So I canned. I learned how to do it. I started buying a few more jars here and there at yard sales if I could find them. I'd post online, hey, do you have any old mason jars you're getting rid of? I'll take them for you. And I would take everything they had. But I never liked wide mouth jars. I like stand I standardize on the standard mouth. And so I held on to all those. And then my wife and I, we, we met. We started dating. We moved in together. And we kept the process going. She was a city girl, but uh, she loved it. She got into it. And now she's a country girl through and through. But we had chickens at that time that we were learning how to preserve the eggs in lime water, which was kind of cool. And then we got into just trying to think what else. I tried like salted dill beans. Now, if you're going to can beans, don't do them. Uh, pickled beans, that's what it was. So you need to have a high acid if you're going to do water bath canning. If you don't know about this, look it up. But water bath canning is basically put the stuff in jars, put the mason seal on, screw down the ring, then you put it in and you process it in boiling water with the lid on, lid off, doesn't matter, for a certain amount of time. So you do that, and then your food is shelf-stable for as long as you need it, basically. Pressure canning is different. That's for low-acid foods, things like that. Along the time, we tried our hand at making homemade soap, homemade yogurt, homemade butter, separating milk and cream. A lot of really cool things we did. So yeah, then we moved into, uh, of course, I didn't have a pressure canner at the time. I really wanted one because that was going to be my next step. But there's a lot you can do. I had a guy worked in the plumbing section at Home Hardware, and he would let me have his drops. So he had some peach trees, beautiful peach trees that he would sell. And he'd always say, hey, uh, when I'm done selling, whatever peaches are on the ground, you are welcome to them. And I would go and I would fill two or three five-gallon buckets with peaches that might have worms in them, <laughs> peaches that were a little soft on the sides, you know, peaches that had been eaten by a squirrel. I don't know. But anyway, I had a lot of peaches and it was awesome. So then we would take these great, some, some of the best memories ever. Becky, I would bring them back and Becky and I would stay up all hours of the night. We'd be peeling peaches, processing peaches and canning peaches. And we loved peach jelly. So we turned them all into peach jelly and we would eat that. Nice piece of toast with a little bit of butter and peach jelly on top of it is enough. Something to die for. We loved it. Always loved it. Tried apple butter. You ever made apple butter? I'm not a big fan of apple butter, but we tried it. So it's basically where you take applesauce and you cook it down till it gets really thick in a slow cooker and then you can it. We tried that. Applesauce was big too. We would go up the valley. We'd go to the U-Pick and we'd pick our Cortland apples. Still my favorite apple. I can't get it out here on the prairies, but it's neither here nor there. They're a big kind of tart, firm apple that stores really well for a few months if you can get it in a cool, dark place. So we would go up and we would buy, I don't even know. We did we did quite a bit, but it was fun. We, we would get a lot of apples. We'd bring them home. Once again, we would cut and peel and slice. <laughs> and then we would go and start canning and we would cook up the applesauce and we would have 40, 50, 60 jars of applesauce and the kids would eat it all. And at that time, across the street from where we lived was an old church. 
was an old access road. You'd walk up there right across the street was a cherry tree. So we would pick cherries. We started canning cherries. I made cherry jelly, cherry wine. That was fun. If you went up over the hill was the cemetery. And there was wild blueberries everywhere. If you've never picked wild blueberries, they're right on the stinking ground. So they run like a, like a ground cover. And they're about a quarter of the size of cultivated blueberries. So they're tiny. Like, you know, a big one is like an eraser on the end of a pen. And we would go up and spend hours. The kids were young then. So me and the wife and the kids would go up and pick all the wild blueberries we could. And you know what we did? Blueberry jelly. And it was good. And then we came across wild blackberries. So we'd make, I made blackberry jam one time. Huge mistake. Unless you like to eat seeds all day long, don't make blackberry jam. Make blackberry jelly. So invest yourself into some cheesecloth. Man, cheesecloth is expensive now. You get like enough. I don't know. Had to pick some up the other day for my comfrey salve. I don't I can't even remember what I paid for it. But I guess the problem was is that there's just not a lot in it. And it's damn hard to clean out afterwards. But that's another story for another day. So yeah, we would. So we, yeah, we made uh, cherry jelly, apple jelly. Oh, apple jelly was good. If you never made apple jelly, check that out too. Always enjoyed apple jelly. That's probably my favorite apple jelly. And then we'd try some odd things. You'd find these old recipes. Uh, I remember pickled watermelon rinds. I never made it, but it always stuck out, uh, stood out to me. Uh, you can see it from here. My, my favorite, I, I can't get it. I wish I could show you right now, but it's called Putting, Food, Putting Foods By. And it, it's my favorite canning book. I've got a bunch of my favorite recipes in the back of it. And it's, uh, yeah, we'll do another episode where we go through that book sometime because that's one of my favorites. That is a, a must-have. So then at that point, we had canned basically everything that you could can. Oh, chili sauce. We did tomato sauce. Um, some, you know, if it's a high-acid tomato, you're Okay. My wife, uh, we, we pushed our limits, you know, some people did, but my wife's grandmother, she had passed away by the time I met Becky, had an incredible chili sauce recipe. So we would cook up chili sauce, that had green peppers in it, which you're not supposed to water bath can, but again, it was what it was. So we would make homemade chili sauce and it was beautiful on pork chops. We loved it. So what you would do is you would bake the pork chops in the oven. You'd pour that chili sauce over top of it, add a bunch of rice, and you had a meal that was to die for. And we would do as much of that, and we wouldn't give any of that away because it was too damn good. And at the same time, I had a few maple trees. We tapped those. Yeah, do you want to know the most inefficient way to boil down sap? is on an electric stove burner. It takes forever. But we made a little bit of maple syrup and we canned that. That was kind of fun. But at that point, we were running out of things to can because there was nothing else that we could can with a water bath canner. And a pressure canner was really, really expensive. So one year for Christmas, I got this big box. And I don't know how Becky got it without me knowing about it, but she bought a Presto pressure canner, an aluminum one, from Home Hardware where I worked boxed it up and surprised me for Christmas. Well, I was like a kid in a friggin' candy store because all the sudden we could can everything. And I loved it. I started canning meat. I canned beef. I canned fish. But the thing that I really liked to can was all of our low acid veggies, stuff that you buy for, you know, 99 cents at the store or whatever. But on the East Coast, where we were living at the time, we always had access to bulk 
produce cheap and we always had a way to find it. So we would we would book our potatoes. Uh, we would go up there. I can't even Spur Brothers. I don't know how I remember that place is called Spur Brothers and you'd place your order for 50 pound bags of unwashed potatoes. And they were like seven, eight bucks for them. So we'd buy four or five of them. We'd dump a bunch into the bins and we'd keep them in the potato bins for the winter. But we loved canned potatoes like nobody's stinking business. So what we would do is we would peel them up and then we'd slice them into like, you know, dollar coin, silver dollar, loony, toony size, whatever, you know, about a quarter to half an inch thick. And we would fill the quart jars full of potatoes. And we did 50, 60 of those quart jars every year. And we would take three or four of those at a time, drain the water off them, dump them into a frying pan with butter, salt, and pepper, and fry them up and made a hash. That was one of the kids' favorite things to eat. We loved it. Potatoes, corn. So when Sobeys would have corn on sale for like 10 cents an ear, we would go in and we would buy 50, 60, 100 ears of corn, cobs of corn, whatever you want to call it. And again, we would spend the whole night, well, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, we'd finish up pressure cannon. And we would just take them, we'd cut all the, the uh, cobs off or all the kernels off. We'd put them in there and we'd pack pint jars full and we'd do that. And then I found out about deer carrots. You guys don't know what deer carrots are? I will tell you. In Nova Scotia, it's legal to bait deer because in the years I hunted deer, I never saw one because they're really good at hiding and the... Department of Natural Resources is totally fine with you baiting deer, apples or carrots. So we'd buy deer apples, make cider out of them. And turned out I found out how to get 50 pound bags of carrots for like six bucks, eight bucks at the time. They're basically the seconds or the ones they couldn't sell. Broken carrots, bruised carrots, it didn't matter. We didn't even peel them. We'd just cut one end off, cut the other end off and chop them up. And they'd go right into a pint mason jar. You know, some people would say add a little bit of salt for flavor. We salted it afterwards. It was just carrots and water and into the pressure canner. Very important. Make sure you use a pressure canner and you're not going to blow yourself up. Of course, you know how you always say, I've never met anybody who's ever blown themselves up or hurt themselves with a pressure canner. I think it was Ford. I'm pretty sure it was Ford who said that he knew somebody that lost a finger or a hand or something to an accident. But that was the first time I've ever heard that. And it does happen, but it never happens. You know what I mean? get comfortable with the pressure canner. You will thank me for that. Green beans, yellow beans, we would grow those in our garden, cut them up, can them. Navy beans, I'd go buy a two pound bag of navy beans at the grocery store for like four bucks and I would plant them and then I would have 50 pounds of navy beans at the end of the year. It was fun. Uh, yeah, so green, yellow beans, uh, spinach, uh, no, beet greens, those were fun. We would can up beet greens, and they were actually pretty good. They were basically pre-cooked already. You know, stews and soups, we did a little bit of those. Beyond that, that was about the extent of our canning. I was trying to think if there was any other veggies that we used to can. I can picture the shelf there. So anyway, we moved to Alberta almost 10 years ago. It'll be nine years ago this January. And we'd gotten out of canning for a few years. And I finally started talking to the Hutterites. And I bought 50 pounds of carrots. Uh, what else did I buy? 50 pounds of carrots. Bought some potatoes from them. Some corn from them. And I started canning again. 
we they somebody placed an order for peaches from British Columbia. So we got some of those. We made up a bunch of peach jelly. Still got a bunch of that. That was really cool. Bought some pears. We did pear jelly. Pear jam, actually. So we were back into it. One thing I've never made yet that I'd love to make for Becky sometime would be an orange marmalade. So if you guys have ever made one of those, if you get a good recipe for it, let me know. Because I would like to try that. But I haven't done that yet. That's her one of her favorites. But anyway, I like to reminisce. This was a fun episode to do. Memories of canning. If you guys have your favorite memories, share them with me. Send them to me. If you want to do a recording, record it. Send it to me through therealtimcook at gmail.com or just send it to me and I'll read it. I'd love to do an episode of your favorite memories of canning, but it's pretty cool because my grandmother, so that was 19 years ago right now. So Nan would have been 81 at the time. Still pretty spry. You know, she was she was still getting around, starting to slow down a bit, but she was okay. She just turned 100 in August of this year. And I went out to see her at Christmas of this year. It was the first time I'd seen her in five years. And she recognized me, but she's not who she was. There's no joy left in her life, let's put it that way. And that sucks. But I always have that memory. And uh, one other memory, since we're talking about Nan, I went over one day. I decided it was very important to save the family recipes. And we all loved her seafood chowder. So I went over one day and I said, Nan, help me make your seafood chowder. And I'm going to write the recipe down as we do it. I'm so damn thankful I did that because I have that recipe. Still wrote it down and I still have it. So don't negate those kind of things. Get them done while your family's still here. Make memories. Remember it. And guys, whatever your favorite memory is, share it with me. Send it to me. I'd love to share it here in the podcast. So that's it for me for tonight, guys. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.